Life Audio. Coming up on Encouragement for You, it's not too late to consider how to make 2023 productive. And Tom Techmeyer on Preparing for Retirement. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The month of January is coming to a close. By now, the excitement of a new year has worn off for most, and we may begin to fall back into our old, unwanted habits. Steve Saint, author of End of the Spear, joins host Don Hawkins to encourage us that it's not too late to do the things that matter most. What should be our priorities for this year, and how are we doing so far? As I've been trying to think what we could do in this year to be productive, I have wondered, what would Jesus do? And I, I realized that Jesus expects us to follow his example. Um, I'll give you a, a scripture reference. In John thirteen fourteen. Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. Then he went on, he said, So if I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, shouldn't you be willing to wash other people's feet? I remember... Years ago, uh, my stepdad, Abe Vanderpoy, who I respected greatly, um, he went to a meeting where there were some different factions in the in the mission down in Ecuador, and they were really at each other, and uh, it was becoming very political, very tense. Uh, I don't think it's really necessary to understand what it was about. But Dad was going off to that, and I thought, there is no way that this is that there can be a good outcome from this uh, meeting. But when Dad came back, I could just tell that uh, it had gone extremely well, and and my mom could too. And so my mom said, "Uh, Abe, what happened? He said, you know, we got there, and the sides were kind of lined up. And he said, I just couldn't see any way to bring reconciliation. And he said, then one of the leaders in, in one of the factions got a bowl, uh, a big, you know, a big pan, mm-hmm. put warm water in it, got a towel, and he went to the uh, the head of the other faction. He said, 
You know, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Before we have this meeting and discussion, I feel compelled to wash your feet. Hmm. And the other man started to say, no, no, no. You know, I'd, and, and he said, please, please let me show you this respect. Let me wash your feet. And Dad said, so we said, and then what happened? He said, then that man took the bowl, and he went and washed somebody's feet on the other side, and he said, you know, all we did tonight was have people wash other people's feet. He said, we never even got down to the discussion, and we thought, uh-oh, it's still there. And he said, you know, by the time we got done washing each other's feet, nobody wanted to have a discussion. He said, I don't think we have a problem anymore. Um Showing deference, showing kindness to other people, it just goes a long, long ways. And I and I realize that this is a theme done throughout the New Testament. There's a, oh, a passage of Scripture that I ran across when I was in high school. I don't mean that I hadn't read it before then, maybe, and certainly have read it since, but that's when it really reached out and grabbed me. Mm. It says in verse 22 of uh, James, James chapter 1, it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also. Mm. And then down in 25, it says, uh, anyone who looks intently into the perfect law, you know, God's word, the law of liberty, yeah. and, and does what it says, it says, um, and, and not forgetting about it, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Mm. And then down at the bottom, it kind of summarizes in the last verse in chapter 1 of James, it says, this is what is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and the Father. It says, it is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to mm. keep oneself untainted by the world. And, um, you know, I've wondered a lot about why why this verse would pick out orphans and widows, and then I realized these are the people that don't have anybody to look out for them. Yeah, no spokesman. Right. So mercy is, uh, you know, in... Uh, in India, there are still some places where they practice um, widow burning. Mm, um, yeah. Over there, when a woman's husband dies, she is seen as being unlucky. People don't want to have a widow around, not wanting to have responsibility. And I think that that's what Jesus was talking about there. Of course, there's the uh, the Beatitudes um in Matthew 5, where it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So there's a correlation between us showing mercy to people and us being shown mercy. And then, of course, um, in Matthew 25, where Jesus said, You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to judge you. And he said, I'm going to divide the sheep from the goats. And, and then he said um, to those that he put on his right side, he said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And now here, it would seem to me the smartest thing for his audience would have been to just be quiet and accept his accolades. But yeah. it says that they said to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in naked and clothed you? And then he ends by saying, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. Hmm. 
And then he also admonishes those who don't do that, and he says, inasmuch as you have refused mercy, inasmuch as you refuse to be a help to one of the least of these, you refused it to me. Really, I, I think we can surmise from this that when we go out and we show mercy to people that can't, can't repay us, that it is just as though we're doing it to God himself, that we're doing it to the Lord Jesus. And if we deny it to them, then we're also denying it to him. Mm-hmm. Well, for those of us who um, have an opportunity to serve God during this year, what are some specific ways that you see us applying what we've talked about? You know, Don, uh, I think I think doing what Jesus would do is as simple as looking around us and seeing needs and meeting those needs without any intention of being repaid. Um, it could be as simple as random acts of kindness. Um, there was a movie called uh, Pay It Forward, just, uh, I mean, a, a, a very Christian concept of a mm-hmm. uh, little boy just decided that he was going to do things for people just because they needed it done. And then instead of allowing them to repay him, he would just encourage them to do the same thing for somebody else. That's a very, very Christian concept, doing it as unto the Lord Hmm. and uh, passing up the reward, not looking for the reward. You know, it it would be impossible even here in North America to look around us and uh, not know people who are emotionally hurting, who are uh, starved for affection, people who are having financial crisis, whether they brought it on themselves or not, doing it for them in Jesus' name is um, is being merciful. And uh, like the Beatitudes say, if we show mercy, we will be shown mercy. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that is something that all of us should attempt to do. We should... Uh, just look around ourselves. Of course, we can go to other places and show mercy, too, by giving to Christian organizations, um, by giving of our time as well as our resources. Uh, That's one of the ways that our organization functions. Uh, People doing computer work for us, doing graphic design, things like that, uh, engineering for us from distant locations. So, I think that if we ask the Lord, I think I, I'm confident that He will bring to our mind and to our conscience um, opportunities that are around us every day. Yeah, give of ourselves, give of our resources, uh, give of our talents, our energies. So many ways, as Jesus put it, freely you have received, freely give. And a great, great reminder for us we received the gospel freely. And so tonight, friend, uh, I want to encourage you uh, in this new year to commit yourself to those random acts of kindness, uh, to intentional opportunities to reach out to neighbors, to friends, to people in your church family, to senior citizens, to younger people, uh, to disadvantaged people, to homeless people, uh, and look for opportunities to provide uh, resources for ministries and uh, sharing the gospel by fulfilling this mandate of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be back with more after this brief word from our sponsors.
Are you prepared to have a successful retirement? Tom Techmeyer joins host Don Hawkins to break down how to have a successful retirement in six easy-to-follow steps. So let's talk about keys to a successful retirement. I would imagine most people would think key number one is amass a huge sum of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, Don, I, just to give a little bit of overview before we talk uh, briefly about these six points, is that you know, the longer we live, uh, many of us can expect to spend maybe some 20 or 30 years in retirement. And it's really serious business, and it requires a lot of serious planning. And so as you get closer to retirement, there are certain steps that you're certain keys that you should take a look at and uh, be working on to ensure that your retirement will be fulfilling and satisfying and all the things that you hope it'll be. Well, what if somebody's looking to us right now and they're 55, 60 years old and saying, well, I I just have not done a very good job at this. Is it mm-hmm. too late for me? Uh, well, should I even bother? Well, I, I, I think that there's always an opportunity to make up for some lost ground. And as we go through the points, I think you'll see that that uh, there's still things that people ought to be thinking about, even if it's in the the uh, the, the latter stages of their pre-retirement yeah. planning. Okay, yeah. so it's never so late that you can do <laughs> right. nothing. Right. So you might want to get a pen and paper and jot these down along with us, because I'm going to give you six things that you can do to help ease the transition from working uh, to retirement. All right. Okay. Number one is uh, hire a professional advisor. Okay. Uh, retirement should be a time of fun, new adventures, uh, traveling, time with kids and grandkids, not pouring through financial statements or <laughs> reading prospectuses. So, uh, you know, I would just encourage folks to consider the fact that a good advisor, as we talked about from Proverbs chapter 15, uh, a, a good advisor can provide a level of professional advice and service that will help you be a good steward, a good manager of your money, uh, and, and the little bit that you invest in uh, paying them for their services, we think, and, and have found over the years uh, is is money well spent. And, Tom, it's typically not a huge sum of money no. that people pay for this. No, no, it's not. I mean, when you think, think about it this way, Don. When you go to a restaurant, oftentimes you get a mediocre meal with mediocre service, and how much of a tip do you give the waitress? 15 to 20 percent. 15 percent at least, probably. Yeah. yeah. Now, think about that. This person knows nothing about you, hasn't taken any time to find out what your goals or objectives are with this meal, and and will never ever see you again. Right. When, you know, I mean, they're not going to follow up afterwards and see how you're doing and work with you on a regular basis to ensure that your meal is on the right track. You know what I'm saying? Or that you're on a low carb diet or right. healthy and, eating exactly. or whatever. <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, we 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 just lay down fifteen percent and hardly even think twice sure. about it. So here comes along. A professional financial advisor spends a lot of time up front, or they should. I mean, right. we do. Yeah. Uh, they get to know you. Uh, they, they ask a lot of good questions. They build a relationship with you that, that will uh, begin, uh, continue uh, on for a long time, and maybe on even after you're gone with your children or your grandchildren. The, the process is always ongoing. The relationship is always developing and building. And and, and for that, I mean, you, you, you may pay, you know, well, there's different ways that you pay for those services, but sure. even if you just bought a uh, an A share mutual fund, the the most it would run you is like five and three quarters percent. Yeah, so you're not even talking about a third of what you lay down for the tip for exactly. that meal. Exactly, that's the mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. think about that. Yeah, pretty incredible. It so is. your first step is to have a prof- hire a professional advisor. That's right. Have one exactly. Of those. Right. Okay. What's your secondly? Second? You need to estimate your needs. Okay. Work with that advisor to estimate, okay, what is my life expectancy? 
and what will my income needs be over that life expectancy, all right? Yeah. And so, doesn't some of that involve evaluating your lifestyle and saying, do I well, need sure. to live at this level or sure. cut back or whatever? Sure, you've got to take a look at that. that. That's the estimate of the needs. You know, what is our income? Can we cut it back? What do we yeah. need? So you have length, uh, you have amount. Uh, yeah, all of those are factors to plug yeah, and then, in. You know, a couple of things that go along with that, in addition to what you just mentioned, is that the you figure that the average life expectancy for a 60-year-old today is about another 25 years. Hmm. All right? 60-year-old, okay. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, people live to mid-80s or so, right? Um, typically. So, I mean, you think of that in terms, and then you need to also think about limiting the withdrawals from your investment accounts to somewhere between 4 and 5% typically of whatever your portfolio value is. Because if you start taking much more than that, uh, you're going to start tapping into your principal. So you want to keep it fairly conservative in terms of what you draw on an annual basis so that the money will outlast your life, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Uh, what would be the third key, Tom? Investigate your health insurance options. Hmm. A lot of retirees say that health insurance is their biggest expense. Yeah. Going without it, however, is not a good uh, well, alternative. Well, that could be a bigger expense. Right, because yeah. it could quickly devastate your investment yeah. portfolio if you're injured or become ill. So we think that it's important that you plan ahead and find a, a policy that meets your needs as well as your budget. By the way, speaking of health insurance, and you may cover this in another point, there is a kind of insurance that older people are being offered these days, and that has to do with uh, senior care or, shall we say, uh, you know, extended uh, life care. You mean long-term care yeah, long-term insurance? long-term care insurance, right. right. Yeah. That's the or term I'm looking for. Some people for. call it nursing home insurance. I'll, I'll just touch that briefly, Don, because it's, it's a big issue item because long-term care insurance is something that people should consider. They should examine it. They should uh, see if it fits in in their needs, in their budget, in their plan. Uh, it may. It may not. Some, Like anything, some policies are better than others. Uh, the fine print needs to be read and examined uh, so that people know exactly what it is they're buying. But I'll say this. The long-term care insurance has come a long, long way. It's much, much, much better than it used to be, hmm. uh, even, say, five, ten years ago. used to be very, very expensive, well, considering what I you mean, might get out of it. And, I mean, it can still be expensive, don't get me wrong. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, it used to be that you, you paid a premium and then found out that it covered precious little. Um, today, uh, I think a lot of that has been ironed out and resolved, and, and uh, they are better in terms of what type of benefits or or features they offer and pay for in terms of the, the kind of care you receive. Uh, is it at home? Is it in a nursing home? Is there an inflation factor built in? You know, there's a lot of different components in that that can really make uh, a policy a lot stronger, a lot better, perhaps, but, but often that comes with a little bit higher cost as well. So investigate your health insurance options and certainly consider long-term care as a possibility. What is the fourth of the six? That's build a cash position. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you retire, you probably want to have enough cash on hand, uh, either in savings accounts or money markets or short-term fixed income investments like treasury bills or, or short-term bonds, to cover a year or two of living expenses. And that way, that, that will keep you from having to liquidate any of your stock or equity positions. So if the market's had a down year or is in a down period, that's fine. You don't need to uh, liquidate while that what you need while prices are down, but rather you've got that set aside in some shorter-term yeah. investments that will be maturing and coming due. So you've got that cash flow coming in. So 
I would say, number four, you got to build a cash position to provide for a year or two worth of needs. You know, it's just a prudent thing for us to have some cash reserves on hand. And in fact, everybody, uh, you've talked about different things that people need to save for. One of those things is just to have enough for a month or two months or three months to to get by if something should suddenly happen. Another is a savings account toward uh, major purchases, automobile, washing machine, dryer, refrigerator, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we tend to think those things are going on forever, but they really don't, do they? No, that's right. Exactly right. What's number five? Construct a well-balanced portfolio. Mm, In addition to your cash position, you know, I think it's important, Don, that you have a well-structured portfolio that consists of both stocks and bonds. Uh, I think a big mistake that a lot of retirees make or those heading into it is that they fail to account for inflation. And so what they consider to be safe investments actually result in the loss of purchasing power by not keeping pace with that inflation, and that's a difficult situation. So Hmm. your financial advisor can really help you obtain the proper mix or blend based on your needs and your tolerance for risk and your income and what you're trying to do that will help you both have both income as well as keep your keep you ahead of the, the rising yeah. cost of living on a regular basis. So that's a key one, construct Tom, a well-balanced portfolio. Yeah, that's another place I'd like to jump on this soapbox for the multitude of counselors, getting good, wise counsel in this area. You know, a lot of folks think they are really experts on the market, but those who put their time and energies into this as a way of life, as you do and others have, I think it's critical that we get good, wise counsel. Exactly right. All right, and number six. And the last one is figure out what you're going to do. Uh, uh, I, I I see a lot of retirees who quickly become bored with golf and shuffleboard. Lemon and cookies, uh, you know, the rocking right. chair. <laughs> right, yeah. They need to or plan. even traveling around in the RV. That's it, yeah. You need to plan out how you're going to spend your days once you do retire. And, and again, just like we encourage well-balanced portfolios, we encourage well-balanced lives because we think that uh, that's, that's what Christ would have us do, that no area of our life would be uh, overcommitted or, or too, too much time or effort or energy dedicated to that because then things do get out of balance. So yeah. uh, you want you want a, a nice blend or a nice mix of, of uh, maybe part-time working or consulting, uh, time with kids and grandkids, uh, sometime traveling, sometime volunteering at your church or another ministry, uh, you know, where you live. So uh, it may be a good idea to talk to your employer about transitioning yeah. out of work gradually, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of things you can do in that area. But but don't just get there and then say, okay, now what am I going to do? Yeah, and don't forget to invest both your time and your talent, and your treasure in the Lord's work as you finish out those years. We talk about those three T's quite often. I have some good friends in Birmingham. He's a CPA. He and his wife uh, are very involved in their local church. They're involved in our ministry at the college, and uh, they're very generous with the Lord's work. And they also travel to uh, mission fields around the uh, the world and and are of assistance to those missionaries in a variety of ways. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, at the same time they're having fun and getting to see some wonderful sights around the world, they are helping God's work in a great way. Right. And uh, they're also entertaining people, showing hospitality. Folks, there are so many ways to invest your life in ways that count for Christ, your time, your talent, your treasure. So that six-point, figure out what you're going to do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins. 
host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Want to learn more about God and His will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.